Hey guys, welcome to The Debrief. This is our debrief after the episode with Hasib Qureshi, where we talked about blockchains as cities. And this was really an episode, I think, it used this, this metaphor to maybe disguise it, but this was a, a meta, an episode about the multi-chain thesis, the worldview, versus the uh, one chain to rule them all worldview. Um, David, what do you, what were your thoughts on that? What, um, like, did anything change your mind and what, how did you come into the podcast? What was your worldview or idea and, and how did you leave the podcast? I went into the podcast really appreciating something that he wrote in the, his article where he talked about how, uh, it's not a, uh, L2 versus L1 world. It's an L2 and an L1 world where, uh, obviously Ethereum as Manhattan shall be building upwards. It shall be, shall be building vertically. And, uh, it's actually really convenient that man Manhattan is so geographically constrained, right? Like it's got, it's got the Hudson river and like it's got water on either sides that literally cannot build outwards. Uh, and that's a great, just parable for, uh, decentralization, right? Like Ethereum refuses to scale out horizontally. So therefore it builds really, really tall skyscrapers. Uh, and then we have LA, uh, LA, which is Solana, which just sprawls very, very horizontal, uh, horizontally, which is like big blocks, right? Like big real estate. Uh, and I think, I think we're past the point where uh, we can certainly say where the future of crypto is a L, exclusively an L2 two world. However, I do think that it will be more of a L2 world than it will be a multi-L1 world. Uh, and I, th I think that Hasib leans into mapping on the future of crypto uh, networks, blockchains, to the current distribution of global cities just a little bit too much. Uh, and just the nature of the internet allows for much more consolidation than what physical cities would actually allow for. This is where like the metaphors actually break down because blockchains are on the internet and the switching costs between blockchains are so low, I could definitely see a world where there is one horizontally scaled blockchain and one vertically scaled blockchain, and that's about it. Uh, and that vertically scaled blockchain uh, also has to compete with every single rollup that has that finds itself. What do you mean uh, by vertically Ethereum. scaled blockchain versus horizontal? Like, how is Solana vertically scaled? Solana is uh, Solana is horizontally scaled. Or, okay, so how is Solana horizontally scaled? Uh, just uh, th uh, jumping up the throughput of the block space. More block space is like more land. So when there's more block space, you are just sprawling out your land far and wide where New York doesn't have a lot of real estate. It doesn't have a lot of space in Manhattan. So it must build up. And that's with, so, with that's with so layer twos. My take on that is actually, so my, my take on that is actually Solana is not really scaling. Um, like again, we, we listened, like we were listening to Hasib articulate his points. And so didn't want to interrupt with like my own personal perspective on it, but like, I don't actually think you're, you're scaling horizontally or vertically if you're just increasing the cost to validate. Do you remember when we went back to the, the conversation uh, and you're increasing the cost to verify the chain? Back to the conversation of the, the question we asked Hasib was just, okay, well, why do cities have to have geographic physical limitations? Why do chains rather have to have you know, physical li limitations? Why can't they just continue to expand? And his answer was, which I think is the correct answer, is because um, like, if you just add infinite scale. If you scale the way Facebook does or Amazon does, then you lose something, which is you increase the cost that it takes to verify. You increase node requirements, verification node requirements. 
And I actually think that is more of what Solana is doing. It's not actually scaling horizontally. It's just not really scaling. It's just increasing verification requirements. This goes back to, um, you know, I was, I was listening to a podcast on Common Core with uh, Hasu and uh, I think it was Ellie from Starkware. And um, th that's basically what Starkware was saying, what Ellie was saying. He was, he, he was saying, if you are just increasing node requirements, you're not actually scaling, okay? Because blockchains are all about settlement assurances, settlement guarantees. And those guarantees are largely preserved by cheap costs to verify. And if you make it expensive to verify, then you're not scaling in the, in the first place. So I sort of question I, I think that's a that. 400 level answer to where yeah. most, most people are like, Solana, go fast. Therefore, but isn't sale. that the problem? Isn't that, that is, the problem? That is a problem. That's a big problem. Yeah. But, uh -huh. but he, here's where Hasid maybe challenges us a little bit or challenges me. It's just like, he's kind of like, well, who cares if that's the problem, right? It's like, you're being a New York City East Coast elite right. by saying that decentralization is the end all be all. And these West Coast boys in LA, like they're, they're, taking a different path. And so you can't apply your your framework to you know to something else. Like your trade-offs don't really like don't really matter. They're playing an entirely different game. And like they're they're just, you know, I guess it's all a matter of scaling total locked value, economic throughput, number of users, and they're succeeding on those metrics. So therefore they are scaling right. regardless of what you decentralization elites uh, say. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, I mean, you don't have to convince me about which one is the, the right approach. But uh, I think when somebody uh, is looking at the, the topology of this blockchain world and they simply see more users pressing more buttons on a, on a Solana, which has compromise on, on trustlessness and decentralization, they don't really care. They call that scale. And I think the way that you're using it is like, oh, well, if you're not scaling your degree of trustlessness, then yes, you are not that scaling. That is how I'm using it, yes. Yes, but Hasib and others are like, well, we can scale other things, which yeah. is literally how many times we can allow a user to make transactions on our platform. And so which one's right? <laughs> oh, that, That's the question, right? right. I think that's that's the question, and that's why the, I think we'll keep coming back to this uh, this question of multi-chain versus. Mm -hmm. So, w what's sort of interesting to me, and uh, you were just talking about this, David, is like maybe the power law of cities or nation states is not what we should look at, right? It's like if you look at um, TCP/IP, right, the protocol the protocol behind the internet, or some of the main other protocols, um, you know, protocol for email, SMTP you know, pop three, some of these protocols, SMTP kind of winning or SSL, these protocols, they are not power law winners. They're not just power law winners. They are like, it's almost massive. 100% dominant, right. right? And this has been the history of the internet. It's just like, yeah, the winning protocol for data transmission, even though there were other competitors, uh, th there were and there were many other competitors in the early days, it was TCP IP. Right. And that one, and like, we don't even think about don't alternative protocols for the internet. It was just like, not a power law winner. It was just like, it is the, board, the way yeah. we transmit data, right? Swept the board um, versus like a power law of cities or nation states. And so there's that, that's why this is kind of an open question is because we've seen 
both of these structures uh, evolve in, in human societies. One, we're just standardizing on one you know thing, and the other where we have some sort of distribution. And that, I think, is where the debate lies. I, I think that's 100% right. And I've always thought that in, inside of crypto, the network effects in crypto just compound so strongly because we have... Um, we, are, we have the network effects of something like the EVM, right? Which is kind of like a new TCP IP. It's how we agree to, to do computation. Like that's one network effects. But then we also have uh, the concept of liquidity begets liquidity, which is also network effects. And Ether has become one of the most liquid assets of all time. And that has been paired with the EVM. And so the liquidity effects of Ether being paired with the network effects of the EVM compound upon each other. Uh, and so even when something gets built on Avalanche inside of the Avalanche EVM, does that benefit the Avalanche token or does that benefit Ether the asset? And I, my, my claim is that it definitely benefits Ether the asset more than it does the Avalanche token because the EVM is more closely uh, imbued with Ether the asset than it is with Avax the token. Uh, and those are just two, like these, these network effects are so strong and why being on the internet is such a big difference than being a physical city that the whole argument that this is going to be more of an L2 world than it is a multi L1 world just sits really well with me. The other thing I thought was interesting in the conversation was I felt like we were a little bit, um, Azib is a little bit talking about this as a snapshot in time. Is basically, you know, what we see now is we'll kind continue. of the distribution right. that will carry forward. And mm -hmm. and he said, case in point, L other alternative L1s have taken off in many ways, and we can see that in some of the metrics from a you know daily active user perspective or from a total locked value perspective. Although I'll note, not taking off in terms of blocked space sales, really. Um, Ethereum is far and away the dominant, but, but I see other metrics taking off from a usage perspective and, um, he extrapolates that forward mm -hmm. and he says, even you look at layer twos and they're relatively weak at this point, they haven't seen the, um, the uptick, but I, I do feel like that's some, that's kind of a selective, you know, sampling in two ways. One. I, I do think we've seen some application-specific L2s absolutely crush it. I talk about DYDX, right? One of the largest trading crypto trading venues in the world now. It's all scaling on Ethereum. But also, Layer 2s have just started. Like, they are just getting out the gate. And uh, Ethereum is very much taking the, the slower route. Like, it's not taking shortcuts from a decentralization perspective. And it's going to be slower to scale uh, you know, from the way it's been designed. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't just project the current state forward. Like, I do think that alternative L1s are going to have to play a different game in 2022 than they had to play in 2021, because there's going to be layer twos that don't have to pay for their security, their own security, that have tokens that benefit from the network effects of Ethereum and the security of Ethereum and all of the tooling that the EVM provides. And alternative layer ones are now going to have to fight this foe. And like, we'll see how that plays out because that's a different, that's a whole different ball game. We're living in a whole different world once that happens. We haven't yet seen it come to fruition yet.
Yeah, uh, I totally agree. And there, in the uh, ultra-scalable Ethereum document that we put together out of Bankless, it talked about the network effects of L2s, as in when one L2 gains adoption on Ethereum and starts submitting transactions to the L1, that actually increases the room for more L2s to come about. Uh, so it's actually not like when, it's not like Ethereum can actually ever become saturated with L2s uh, because this is, this is uh, one of the beautiful things about Ethereum is that it scales public goods. And in, in this conversation, public goods are, is trustless block space. When one, uh, when one rollup has a bunch of economic activity and it settles transactions on Ethereum, that increases the security of Ethereum, which increases the decentralization of Ethereum, which increases the room for more rollups to exist. Uh, and so there's a positive flywheel effect of every time a new city becomes born inside of the Ethereum nation. You get more it, land. It, you get more land, yeah. right? That's where- More real estate. The, 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 more you're, real estate You're printing to, to real estate, with. baby. You're printing real estate, right? And like, <laughs> how can you compete with that? How can you compete with that? And if you, and if any listener didn't under follow, follow that, listen, read or listen to the ultra scalable Ethereum podcast or um, newsletter we talked about, because that is why Ryan and I are always so bullish on Ethereum scaling strategy is that the more and more Ethereum becomes used by rollups, not by people on the layer one, does it actually make more room for more people on other rollups? Yeah, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sold on the um, modular blockchain thesis at this point. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I see that has, it feels not certain, nothing certain, but uh, I have high conviction that that is the way it's going to play out. And the layer one chains will um, either be rele relegated to something far smaller, become a little more application specific uh, or pivot and become rollups themselves and execution layers. Or I guess the third option is, you know, try to fast follow Ethereum towards the modular design. Right. And uh, as we've talked about before, like that's a difficult game to play. But if that plays out, if the modular blockchain thesis is correct, then I do think that there is a world for other chains besides Ethereum. Like, you know, maybe Tezos is taking this approach, maybe Anir is taking this approach, uh, but it is going to be very hard to fight against those network mm -hmm. effects because I guess the only reason that these alternative layer ones, I think are the primary reason that they have gained any traction is the value proposition of low block space fees, right? Like that is the reason. And so what happens if that uh, just isn't a differentiator anymore? Um, what happens if layer twos have like one cent transaction fees and actually become you know cheaper than all of the alternative layer ones, then you don't have that as your moat. And then kind of where do you go from there? So it does seem like an uphill battle to fight against uh, some of Ethereum's network effects that it's building. The chief network effect that is probably most underappreciated is actually decentralization um, because that begets security, which begets more cheap block space because you can host more rollups. Uh, and that's something, by the way, I didn't realize until we did some of those deep dives last year. Uh, I didn't realize that. So I, I think it'll take the market some time to, to realize that as well, if that's probably the direction years. it goes in. Yeah, I, probably. So we, we when we um, proposed our alternative me uh, mental model uh, to Hasib, where we said, Hasib, we think it's actually nations, not um, cities. I actually think it's not in nations. I think it's empires. 
um, empires. Yeah, I would are, agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Right, where where Ethereum is the empire of its of, Rome of, of its of its rollups. Right. Yeah, like it's it, Greece. It's Rome. Yes. It's mm-hmm. I guess the, you know 1950s United States. And it has to be right because it's it's if you aren't competing to be an empire, then you are. It's, it's the same line as like uh, with politics. Like if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. If totally you're not agree. competing to be an empire, then you are competing to be subsumed by a, by a bigger empire. Yeah, right? it's just like, like it's kind of like join the empire or die. Like it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get, get join the empire because we will be able to provide cheaper block space than you ultimately. Yeah. And if you aren't playing the longest game possible, then you are playing a short-term game. Yeah. I, I do I do think that's a good um good, good subtlety. Now, the the, the 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 problem I have maybe with the, the empire analogy or why that doesn't like um fire or maybe why we don't go to it is because it sounds super evil. <laughs> yeah, super, super evil. <laughs> like I just think Darth Vader, I think of like bum, 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 yeah, bum, bum, bum. Here autocratic comes rulers. <laughs> join the empire (laughs) but it's oh no uh, are we the baddies it's i mean it's it's uh, i guess it's still optional it's a it's a decentralized uh you know empire anyone Mm -hmm. can join it's completely permissionless it's a bottom-up empire right it's incredibly neutral it's like join tcp ip like i don't feel like tcp is trying to like dominate me and control me um yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I, I definitely agree that that's, this is empire against empire mm-hmm. sort of uh, game that we're playing. And mm-hmm. all of these chains are competing. I still think all of these chains, by the way, at the layer one, they're all competing for monetary money. premium money. as well. To money. It, it's, it's the like game. no one has, I've not been And Ethereum is so far ahead, dude. Like the market doesn't understand how far ahead Ethereum is in the empire game. It really is. I mean, Bitcoin <laughs> is crazy. like, Bitcoin is the next, the nearest competitor. And it's just decided it doesn't want it. That doesn't even want to play. It doesn't even want to play in the empire game because how can it be an empire without rollups or an, a viable L2 with, with expression? It's not playing. It's just playing it's in not. the kind of the, the gold game, right? right. So yeah. like, I, I feel like, Bitcoin is content with being a gold and Ethereum is trying to be sort of a, a settlement empire. It's weird because um, the Bitcoin blockchain is content with being a gold, but the Bitcoin community thinks that it's an empire. They, they, they're looking at the digital gold and they're seeing a digital empire and it's just not there. I, I, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I mean, you know, I haven't seen it and no one's even talking about Bitcoin anymore, which right. is the thing. It's like, we don't like, I mean, it's everything's been said, hasn't it? Is there anything more to say about Bitcoin? (laughs) Well, I mean, what do we say? I mean, what's our next Bitcoin episode, David? Like, Mm -hmm. who do we bring on to talk? Oh, I actually do have one, actually. Okay. Um, Is uh, it on energy use? uh, um, uh, Not, not, not that. Uh, Is about uh, public uh, public mining companies. No, oh, there's many, many public mining companies, and there's a conversation to be had. Do you there. mean like IPOing mining companies? There are companies going already public? public, already public. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. So what's the what's interesting I, about that? I don't know, but when uh, CK pitched it to me, I was like, oh yeah, well, yeah, I talk about that. <laughs> I have to I have to go back to him and revisit why I thought that was cool in that time. Yeah, I can't remember why I thought it was cool in this present in, moment. In our agenda, we have the United Rollups of Ethereum. Like I think that's oh, it. Yeah, I I think that is the analogy. Is is sort of you know, all of these rollups are independent states that mm-hmm. um, kind of with their own metropolises. Yep, bow to the constitution of the United States and decide it's, it's to become the United Rollups of Ethereum, where 
in in this parable, this relation to the metaphor to the United States, but in in this uh, relationship, in this metaphor, the United States retains very strong states' rights without compromises. That is Ethereum. Ethereum is a is a is a federation of many, many, many rollups where it gives as much sovereignty to the rollups as possible. So let me ask you: nothing that Hasib said convinced you of the multi multi-chain vision um no he uh, he well maybe i was already ready to believe this but like at the end of the day there is i do believe in that concept of a, like anti-network effects so some people will just decline to join the empire just because they're hipsters and that's what they do and so they'll be always be on solana no matter what or whatever pick your chain in my head i feel like the distribution is 70 percent 30 percent like 70%, 70% ethereum 30% yeah. everything else that's kind of what I have. I think not eighty twenty, not ninety. I think that's not too far off, but I think that's a little bit on the lower side. I think it comes I mean, high, higher look, than seventy. If it's TCP IP, it's like what ninety nine point nine nine nine. Right. It depends and, on your time frame, right? Like a lot, of, a lot of people real, forget to realize, like when they make predictions, that the prediction is completely invalid unless they put a time frame on it. Yeah, I yeah I agree, and I guess what's your time frame? Long term, like decades. Uh, seventy out. thirty by the end of the decade. Yeah. Yeah, seventy thirty by the end of the decade, and then consolidating even more. So oh, yeah. well, the long term approach is ninety nine percent. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I think, I, th I think so too. But have you seen? Let me ask you this: Have you seen any credible competitors to Ethereum today? Uh, that's I wouldn't like, say competitors, but I would say credible like backups. Like Tezos is a, not a bad plan B. Interesting take. Next Bankless podcast on Tezos. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know a single Tezos person. <laughs> <laughs> Why has Tezos not been successful and some of these other chains have? It's got to be it's it's more than like cuz it's competing in the same same room as Ethereum and Ethereum sucked out all the oxygen. Yeah. So they have to take a different approach. Right. Yep. Yep. What's it? I don't have much more to say. Do you? That's it. Nope. Guys, thanks for hanging with us, being premium members. This has been The Debrief.